0: Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. You know, we like to mix it up a bit with regard to the topics of discussion on the show, so we're not talking about the same things all the time. And Talking to the same kinds of nonprofits. With over 54,000 nonprofits in the state, there's certainly plenty to choose from, right? Plus, we want to make sure that we're reaching people with a variety of different passions and interests. I'm a big time animal lover, especially dogs, and so I'm thrilled to do a show about dogs. And we've done a few shows in the past that involve animals, like Lost Dogs of Wisconsin. We've talked to Hawes. We've done the MPD Canine Group, Wisconsin Humane Society. We did Life Striders. Uh, was an organization who uses horses for therapy purposes. And today, we're going to learn how dogs are making an impact in our community in the area of therapy with the help of some great organizations taking the lead, of course. Or should I say taking the leash, right? <laughs> um, my first guests today are Sheila Postotnik, who is a humane educator with the Elm Brook Humane Society, and Jenny Shenamen, who is a third grade teacher from the Elmbrook School District. Welcome to the show today, ladies.
2: Thank you for having us, and thanks to EIG. We're very excited to be here.
1: Well, we're excited to learn about the dogs. I'm so excited. Sheila, tell us about your role and how you got involved with Elmbrook.
2: Yeah, I am the Humane Educator at Elmbrook Humane Society, and previous to being on board with Elmbrook, I um, spent many years in youth development, mentoring, education programs with another organization. And when Katrina happened back in 2005, I responded to a radio ad um, to get involved with volunteering. For a local um, rescue who was bringing dogs up from Katrina and rehabilitating them and rehoming them here in the area in Wisconsin, so after that experience, I really kind of caught the bug and have been volunteering in animal welfare ever since. Through fostering, dog walking, I was involved in the Friends of Matic Board um, in a variety of ways, and then also got very involved with dog training. And dog agility, so did a lot of competitive dog agility with my dogs over the years. So I always say, like, my day job was working with students, and then my hobby was dog stuff. (laughs) Like, you are my my passion. And so when I found the position at Ulmbrook Humane Society um, to be their um, humane educator, it was just the perfect fit for me.
1: Wonderful. Well, it's it's so great when you can find a career path that aligns with your passion. Right. I mean, that just seems like you're not working at all. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You just love what you do. I love it. Um, Well, what types of events and activities then are the dogs part of?
2: Right. So in our humane education programs, we may do anything from a Girl Scout meeting um, on site at the shelter or out in the community. We do dog bite prevention programs. We do a variety of community outreach, um, really whatever a school or an organization might need. Um, Dog safety is a big, you know, request that we do have. So our therapy dogs play a huge part, a really integral part in providing safe and fun dog interaction. So we may provide a lesson um, teaching young people on empathy, um, how to be kind to animals, how to care for their needs. And then at the end of the lesson, have our therapy dogs come in and... They're trained. They're safe. They love being with kids. Our volunteers love it, and the students get a chance to practice kind of what they've learned with a real-life dog.
1: And I don't know that people know that you offer all those things. You know, my mother is a three-time adopter, for lack of a better word, (laughs) of a uh, small dog from Elmbrook Humane Society, and I don't know that she even knew about all the different programs that you offer, which is wonderful, but also all the organizations that reach out to you. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned some of them, but what are, what are some uh, types of organizations that contact you for humane education programs and or therapy dogs? For
2: sure. Um, a lot of school groups, um, a lot of classrooms in the area, um, the Brookfield Police Department, a lot of people oh, don't know, are okay. involved with their safety Town, which we um, teach um Dog safety skills, Um, there's a study out that 77% of dog bites um, are children under the age of nine, and they are usually, or the 77% of the bites are by the family dog. So that tells us as human educators that it's not the loose dogs. I mean, yes, that does happen, but the majority of dog bites are children in the home, or dogs in the home that children are interacting with, or maybe grandma's dog, babysitter, the friend, such things like that. So, so
1: you're working with the mm-hmm. kids, too, so mm-hmm. they understand, Correct, you know, maybe right. don't pull on Fido's tail or exactly. don't bite his mm-hmm. ear or, you know, don't go mm-hmm. steal his food <laughs> exactly. or steal his ball or something right. like that. But, um, you know, we've been in those situations before. Uh, it's it's not just the animal that is, that is at fault. You know, the Absolutely. people need to be educated <laughs> as well, right? right? Absolutely. Um, so how do these dogs make an impact in your lessons then?
2: Um, right, well my first, um, my, I have a therapy dog of my own, and so when I initially started doing a lot of our human education programs, I would bring, his name is Sailor, and I would bring him along. Um, the impact is tremendous, you know, walking into a classroom, there was just a study by the National Institute of Health that even being in the presence of a dog for a young person, It lowers cortisol, which impedes learning. Um, When children are around young people, it helps them stay motivated. It's a special reward and incentive to be in the classroom. So it really fosters the learning of whatever we're learning, whatever we're doing, and then in terms of – being a special treat for the students, it helps motivate their classroom behavior, their cooperation, and all of those good things. <laughs> I know.
1: Anytime there's an animal involved in a classroom, mm-hmm. it's not, I, I just think of my, um, well, actually both my daughters had, um, I'm not going to be able to remember the teacher's name because it was quite a while, quite a while ago, but they had a parrot in the classroom oh. and they just loved, they just loved it. And when we had, uh, we've, we've had all different types of animals over the, the years here, but um, no reptiles, though. We stay away from the reptiles. But we've had G-Pigs and hamsters and bunnies. And I thought, what a great opportunity for kids mm-hmm. to learn to have an animal in the classroom. Absolutely. So, um, But you have a really great program called Read to Me.
2: Tell us, tell us more about that. Yeah, so our Read to Me program, um, it kind of started organically over the last, I would say, last year or so. As I mentioned, I have a therapy dog of my own named Sailor where – I'm very passionate. I have an English background, and I'm very passionate about education. So, um, you know, you see a lot of these programs on um, the news, or Facebook has a lot of cute videos of young people reading to dogs, and everybody loves to see those. And I just kind of thought, you know, I didn't come up with the idea, but I thought I have a dog, and as long as I have a great school contact, you let's want to be give part it a go. It, right? Right? Let's, yeah. let's try it for ourselves. We do have um, about 12 um, volunteers at Elmbrook who are part of it. And it's just really a matter of scheduling the time with a great school contact and having the dogs come in. The children, I have to admit, when I first started, I really didn't know early ed. I didn't know children's literature, any of those things. But the teachers say, we have that part. We just need the dogs to come in. So the kids, they get to business. They may be reading, depending on the grade chapter book they may be learning about um, famous people in history whatever So they're it is, not always so, reading right? a dog book it, no not right, at all it, know, they could be mean in, yeah. uh, Jane and Sally <laughs> Correct, or Jane yeah. Jane and who, what was the
1: other one um, you know the early yeah uh, okay I'm dating <laughs> myself <laughs> okay. never no okay. mind move I got on it, right yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, but no it could be any Dick um, and Jane that's <laughs> it <laughs> I knew it was gonna come spot it's gonna come to me yeah. <laughs> for sure but they do that you know children do love reading about animals of course but it could be really anything that they're working on in the classroom and so what we do when we come in um, the teachers do all the logistical pieces of it. Okay, and um, then the dogs. Um, we have a little area of the classroom. My dog Sailor. He loves being with with kids. But when the students start reading, it's sort of that rhythm. Um, dogs are non judgmental. So a student. Thank maybe, goodness. Thank right? goodness, right? They don't care. love, yes. <laughs> right? They don't care if you said the wrong word or if a student. Um, isn't the strongest reader. We have students who are very advanced and students who are shy readers. So the shy readers, they become more confident reading to an animal who's not going to judge them. Mm. And reading out loud, one of my teachers told me recently, is a very big component for a reader's toolkit. So okay. to be able to read out loud is one of the, the biggest things towards you know literacy development.
1: Do you find so. that there's a, um, a good age that that uh, fits the situation, or it runs the well, K-12. a gamut. Well, have
2: surprised? I thought it was more for the really young ones. Um, we have kindergarten and first grade, but one of our classrooms that we work with is a third grade class. And I have to admit, I was new to this. I didn't really know, do kids in third grade want to read out loud? They absolutely do. They do. Okay. They absolutely do. I could see high schoolers <laughs> wanting to do it, too. I would too. think they would. I used to work with teens, and yeah. I think they would really enjoy that. And then really go do. take the dog for a walk. They you know, would.
1: why not? That's exactly. <laughs> a win-win. Exactly. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> a win-win. Well, you may be wondering how these dogs make an impact in the classroom setting. So stay right where you are, and in our next segment, you'll learn how. We'll be right back.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Sheila Postotnik from the Elmbrook Humane Society. And Jenny Shenamen from the Elmbrook School District is joining us today in the studio. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you for having um, me. You are so welcome. <laughs> now, Jenny, you're passionate about this Read to Me program for obvious reasons. You're a third-grade teacher yes. in the Elmbrook School District. Tell us how you're using it in your classroom, and then how these dogs are making an impact on your students.
3: Okay. Um, I am so thrilled to have this program in our classrooms in third grade. Um, just to give you a little bit of background about me, I do have a definite passion for teaching teaching. Um, I love what I do. I've also had a passion for dogs. Um, Growing up, I've always had a dog in my family. Um, When I was married and we started having children, we adopted a a dog who is a rescue lab. Um, And just seeing my kids interact with our own dog at home, it was just so beneficial. I have a daughter with anxiety. So just seeing her come home from school and being with our dog, Mm. I could see how her anxiety would lessen. And I thought, and this was years ago, I thought, wouldn't it be cool for me to bring my dog or have a dog in my classroom someday? And years ago, I didn't think that could be um, something that could ever happen. Yeah. Because they have such strict guidelines, I would imagine, in
1: in the schools with allergies and all that. But what a great thing if you could bring your dog to the classroom. Yes. Bring your dog to work. Exactly. (laughs) Bring your dog to work. Which we do here. It's
3: so cool. Go ahead. I would love that. Dream of mine. Um, (laughs) So, yes, that dream started a long time ago, but I knew, I thought to myself, well, it probably won't ever happen. But then you see dogs more and more out in public and in different situations, Mm -hmm. and And now, after meeting with Sheila and organizing this with her, it is coming true. My dream is coming true. So it's really cool. And my two passions of teaching and my love of dogs are colliding, which is amazing. That's wonderful. Um, So it's really cool. Uh, I've been a teacher in Elmbrook School District for 23 years, and now I'm teaching at Burleigh Elementary School. We have six third-grade classrooms. And so when Sheila and I were meeting, we decided, okay, at that time now we have more dogs and trainers <laughs> do involved. all six classrooms. Yep, we're doing it all. We didn't want anybody excluded. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. So we planned, we, we met and we sat down and we planned, um, okay, who are the trainers, who are the dogs, let's mm-hmm. start this. And we started it pretty quickly.
1: And the Um, principal was
3: all on board, no problem? Yes, um, I had to do some convincing (laughs) with the the principal and our district nurse. Um, There are district protocols and policies, so we follow all of those, of course, um, to the T. We communicate with the families, so they are aware. And if there are allergies, which we've only really in two years have had two children with allergies, and we take the precautions that are needed, Um, but for the most part... It's smooth. It's smooth sailing. So um, they check in at the office when they arrive, and they know which room to head to. We try to rotate the dogs and the trainers. Do they have a doggy backpack then when they come to school? Um,
2: (laughs) Well, they do wear a vest. My dog, Sailor, loves his vest, so it depends on what the handler, some like a vest, some do a sweater. Um, We have one team that they wear a lot of matching (laughs) Things which they like, and it's then cute. their little tote bag. It may say, "I'm a therapy dog." So okay, they have a little lunch they box like. and their thermos. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, right. They're ready to go to school. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is cute. It's
2: Jenny, cute. what types of things do you
1: guys do in the classroom? Then, I mean, okay. obviously you're doing the reading, but tell, yes. tell us more about that. And then, mm-hmm.
3: what type of um, uh, result? you're you seeing
1: with your students okay
3: sure um, so when the dogs enter our classroom they're entering during our reading block of time so it's about an hour in length and we have dogs just settled it could be one or two dogs per classroom depending on which trainer and dogs can come on that particular day um, we have them scheduled or twice a month so um, we we rotate the kids in so we have different stations Per se, and strategy groups are going on as well during that time. But then we rotate the kids in to their groups. So we might have a group of four or five children that are reading with a dog and a trainer. Okay, and the trainers are wonderful. They are so patient with our kids. They're so kind. They will oftentimes talk about their dogs and the breed that they are because the kids do have questions about about the dog Um, a lot of our students don't have a dog at home or Mm -hmm. don't even have a pet so this is their chance that they can really bond with a dog and to see that relationship is really cool
2: yeah
3: so um, so it is during our reading time um, we have a really large range of student needs Um, you wouldn't really be able to tell that if you come into our classroom when a dog is there. We have had and have students with high anxiety, um, social-emotional behaviors. Um, We have had students with autism. We have had all all ranges, high-level readers and readers that struggle. And when these dogs come in and these children sit down with the dogs, it's amazing. They're, they're calm. Um, even the act of petting the dog really mm. calms the students, mm. just being around them. Um, some students love to read out loud to the dogs, and some kind of are a little shy to read still because there are other students there. But again, like Sheila said earlier, there there's no judgment from the dog. The and dog, there's no distraction either, correct, right? right? I mean, it's right. not like they're taking any time away no. from no. their, their Reading time. Not at all. In fact, um they it, it really enhances their reading time. At first I thought, well, how is this gonna work? How you know, we're gonna how are we gonna incorporate this really in our reading block of time to to make sure they're better readers? And I have seen that they really truly are better readers. Their confidence goes up. Um, they learn a new word, let's say, but they'll remember it because they were with the dog. Mm. So they attach what they're learning with a memory okay. and, a, and, and a really good experience. Are there statistics
2: mm-hmm. around the results? Um, well, one of the studies I recently read, Jenny, you can mm-hmm. let me know. Anecdotally, yeah. I believe this is true, so it was great. I just read this recently that um, being reading to a dog improves cognitive memory, development, yes. vocabulary retention, kind Absolutely. of what you were mentioning, and then concentration okay yes, so yes sure. it
3: really it really does and it enables them to focus better on their reading um, I mm-hmm. I really I, I'm impressed with how they how they can actually stay with it they're they're not even so distracted by the dog or the other dogs in the classroom mm-hmm. oh, they're yeah. they're really into their into their reading and um, are doing it purposefully not mm-hmm. just there to, to play with the dog. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the students do still want to, you know, pet the dog and talk with the dog and love on the dog. (laughs) I bet. Um, I
1: I wish they had that for my kids when they were, when they were younger. The program is somewhat new though, right, Sheila? You know, how did it get started?
2: Um, It kind of, as I mentioned, like a little organically with my own dog and Mm -hmm. another school previous to Burleigh, uh, Poplar Creek in New Berlin, had contacted me. It was one classroom And it was a a room that we were doing some humane education lessons. So being kind to animals, how to care for your pets, and so forth. And so the teacher had asked, would you ever come in for a reading hour? And so I just kind of came in with Sailor. It was new, a whole new territory for me to navigate through. Mm -hmm. And I like to, when I plan something out, to kind of see it firsthand. Could we do this? Could we scale it? And it was very easy to do. Um, and so we kind of grew it from there. And then when I met Jenny, mm-hmm. I think I was doing a Be Kind to Animals presentation. Yeah. We kind of had a great connection from the start. Yes. And we decided how mm-hmm. we would go ahead and do that. And we do have a very strong, I have to give a great shout out to our therapy teams at Elmbrook. Um, we weren't doing a reading program, but we were doing human education. And a lot of them had come to me individually and said, can we do a reading program at the shelter? Okay. <laughs> and, you know, we are at that point now, we're going to start doing some community um, reading days. We actually have one coming up. Um, but I thought, let's start with the schools first sure. and, and see where we go from there. So how, when did it actually get started? Like,
1: what year was it? Uh, about a so year ago. Well, a little year... over a year ago. A little okay. over a year ago. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then is it duplicatable? I mean... It
2: is. Okay. It is. We we need more teams, um, but having the, the greatest... Um, Really, the greatest asset that we have is our school connection, that someone like Jenny talking with the school nurse, getting right. the okay from the principal, um, criminal background check. Mm-hmm. Their Elmbrook, of course, has one that they do. And then on our end, we do some training and some onboarding with our volunteers. But it's definitely okay. scalable. Okay. For sure. So,
1: Jenny, if there's yep. a teacher out there that, that mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to duplicate what you did, yes. can they reach
3: out to you? Absolutely. Uh, yes, okay. please do. Um, I do want to say, too, um, the the partnership is so strong between the Elmbrook Humane Society and and Sheila and our classrooms, and I think it's really important for us as um, students and teachers in our school to give back to the Elmbrook Humane Society. You know, they're volunteering their time to come mm-hmm. into our classrooms, so we have an ongoing donation box for the students. Oh, very good. Um, so I wanted to point yeah, that out too. You. That <laughs> we 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 love donating to them. Um, just be, just to give back, because they, they do so much for us as teachers and so much for our students. Oh, I bet. That it is just, at times, it, it literally um, gives us goosebumps and kind of puts tears in our eyes, because we see children just come a long way. Um children who have emotional disabilities they they blend in with the other kids mm-hmm. and we don't get to see that very mm-hmm. often I bet so it's yeah.
1: it's wonderful it is i would yes.
3: think too that it would help with your adoption process because if
1: if a child is Having uh, a great experience with an animal and they don't have an animal at home, mm-hmm. like you said, maybe that would prompt them then to think about
2: adoption. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I mean the students are always saying, I want a dog like Sailor. Oh, I'm I want sure. a dog. And so, yeah. you know, we do talk about the adoption process that you have to be ready to have a pet, what that looks like. Um, but it does spark interest um, for them to come take a drive over to Elmbrook okay. if they are looking okay.
1: for a pet, for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, actually Sheila's gonna stay with us for the next segment, but Jenny, we're gonna be saying goodbye to you. But before yes. you go, uh do you feel comfortable with leaving like an email out there if there's a teacher that wants to reach oh, out to sure. you yes. for more information?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you can reach me. I, I'll give you my work email. Mm-hmm. You can you can reach me. Um my email address is S-C H E U N E J at elmbrookschools.org. Wow. Be, or you I'd can just happy. call Elmbrook School and
1: just say, "Can we speak to Jenny, the third grade teacher that does the dog I'm program?" At Burleigh Elementary
3: <laughs> School, we have awesome secretaries, they can You okay. guys do. they have wonderful so, staff there. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs>
1: well, for those out there who might be interested in getting involved in this rewarding work with your dog, stay tuned to hear more about the makings and the qualities of a therapy dog and how you can get started. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and we have Carol Assombri joining the interview with Sheila from the Elmbrook Humane Society Carol is with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs and serves as a volunteer tester and observer for our local area. So thanks for joining in the conversation today, Carol. I had a beautiful Springer named Livy that to us she was perfect. She was a good girl. She was a loyal protector, great snuggler, great entertainer. She used to sing along with the piano and the harmonica. (laughs) But um, as one breeder told me, most Springers lead the thief to the treasure, meaning that they have a very friendly disposition with strangers. And my Livy, not so much. You know, to us, she was a great canine child and a family member but she would not have made a good therapy dog so carol share with us then what
4: are the qualities of a great therapy dog that's a great question Um, a lot of people have a dog like libby and um, i actually assessed a dog for somebody not too long ago that they loved their dog and they wanted to share it with the world and unfortunately the dog didn't want to share with the world so (laughs) so the dog has to really really love people not tolerate but really love them so really has to be people-oriented and strangers also, not just to the immediate family, but strangers. And they really generally have to have a rock-solid temperament. Um, Patricia McConnell has always said that. She's an author and a um, well-known you know, person in the dog world. And she always said they have to have pretty much rock-solid, and I would agree. I always say they have to be bomb-proof. So if you have a dog that's afraid of loud noises, afraid of things in the environment like um, a wheelchair or maybe somebody running by, because if you're in a senior home, you might have paramedics come by in an emergency, things like that. So I always say, you know, the dog pretty much has to be bomb-proof. So you have to have that underlying temperament, which um, I personally, even as a dog trainer and behavior consultant, I don't feel you can train that. You've got to have that to start with. Sure, there's some things we can do for the dog to train to to work in that environment, but definitely really needs to be bomb-proof.
1: Okay. Do you find that there's a specific breed that lends itself to those qualities more so than another
4: one, or Mm. not necessarily? Great question. No. Um, Interestingly enough, I have seen every breed, and studies show no breed is more prone to aggression or behavioral problems. So I've seen everything from a chihuahua to um, a lot of... Uh, team members are bully breeds. They make oh. wonderful. You know, unfortunately, they get a bad rap. Yeah, um, like a pit bull, you mean? Or yes, a Rottweiler. wonderful. Okay. Um, pit bull, Rottweiler, Pitty or a Rottie? We had a German Shepherd okay. on our team one time. Um, the biggest danger with him was he was almost he was about ninety eight pounds and almost knocked you over when he went to do Oh my! So um, I have not seen that any particular breed any any breed can do this work. And that's good to know because again, we thought our
1: Livy was just everything you know she was perfect of course um but again when we took her to be bred we were just looking at that as an op- uh, as a possibility and she said she's just not a typical springer mm-hmm. which again would lead the thief to the treasure and so she said she didn't think it was a good idea to breed her because she it, it it wasn't it was just something she didn't say um, aggressive but she just said she's just not a typical Springer and so I thought okay I've talked to a lot of springers since then and they said we've had a lot of springers. some have been very good and others you know not so much so it's nice to know that there's not necessarily a particular breed um, now you're obviously a fellow dog lover Carol so tell us how you got involved in doing this work with the Alliance and
4: why well Years and years ago, before we really had a lot of agencies certifying dogs for therapy work, I was—I used to walk my greyhound. I had a rescue greyhound, and I used to walk by a school all the time. And one of the teachers actually ran out and said to me one day, would you come and visit the school? Ah. And so I came to talk to them about bite prevention and about greyhounds and about the plight of the racing greyhound, which at that time, this is, wow, boss, 25 years ago probably, You know, a lot wasn't known about you know the racing greyhound in that industry and things like that. So I talked to them about how she was a racer and how fast she could run, and it was so much fun. I just loved it, and so I kind of was hooked after that. And it was something really fun I could do with my dog. Um, After that, I went on to get an Italian greyhound, and I spent about two years training her to do therapy work. She had the temperament for it, but boy, did she need the training. She Mm. was very high energy. So we did about two years and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in training. So did that with her for years, and then I adopted a rescue whippet, And he was a natural. He was calm. He really didn't even need any training. He came ready to go. And so I decided at that point to, you know, get him certified. And I thought, oh, I don't want to go through this two years of training again with him and all this. So I actually um, got connected with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. And he could get working very, very quickly through this organization. They um, are a wonderful organization. They do um, actually our observations are done in the facility, but it was a way for me to get a dog that was such a natural, and he was an adult when I adopted him out into the field and working really quickly. Mm, nice. Well, give us uh, give
1: us a history. You know, I'm not familiar with Alliance of Therapy Dogs. I've not even heard of them before. I didn't even know that an organization like that existed. I'm thrilled that they are. It's great. And that's why we're so happy to do this kind of thing for awareness. But give us a history. You know, how long have they been around? What, you know, what are some of the different types of things that they do? Sure.
4: And as I said, the other organization I was with was great. Um, It just required, the stipulations were really strict. And one of the requirements, for example, was a three-minute separation from my dog and a 20-foot stay. And this whippet that I rescued was so bonded to me that getting him to be 20 feet away was really a challenge. And also, um, I I like him to be close. And plus, when you're doing therapy work, there is really never a need for your dog to actually, the requirement is that you don't leave your dog. So I kind of felt like I didn't want to put him through all these tests that that wasn't going to be applicable. So, again, Alliance of Therapy Dogs, I really liked the way their program worked. Um, they've been around since 1990. They are a nonprofit organization. This is all they do. They're dedicated to certifying therapy dogs. They have over 15,000 members nationally.
3: Mm.
4: And so I like the fact they're a very thorough organization. They provide a lot of support, but they give you the insurance they require things like a vet check. Um, they require the test and the observations. But they also even require a background check, which, you know, especially going into the schools, right. as you've yeah. been speaking about, that, that really is important, unfortunately, yeah. in this day and age. So yeah. I think having that insurance and having that background check are really important in an agency when we're looking at therapy work. Unfortunately, we have to look at those things yeah. today. And, and
1: how awesome that you can do something that is your passion you know we talk a lot on the show about using your passion to make a difference and what a great way you're doing that you obviously have a love of dogs and you're taking that love and that passion and going out and helping in the community so that's that's awesome sheila you're involved with the alliance as you talked a little bit about before what's what's the connection there
2: Um, the connection is that our um, dogs that might possibly be going through the alliance of therapy dogs for for training or if they get trained in another venue, we can get them onboarded and in the field, you know, as quickly as they want to with our humane education programs. So what we do at Elmbrook, we do provide information sessions for those who are interested in the community. If anyone out there is listening and they like what they hear and they think I might want to try that with my dog. I want to know more. We provide um People only, so you can just come for about an hour, or and 15 minutes and learn about the different requirements and just sort of what's involved with it. And then we do offer some training or we do um, refer out to positive force-free trainers in the area for those who are interested. It can seem like a lot of steps kind of navigating through a process like becoming certified, um, but we're here to support. And then if people want to get involved with actually volunteering, uh, we can help out with that as well.
1: And then you said in a prior segment that you got involved with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs with your dog, mm-hmm. Sailor. Yes,
2: I because yeah, of so. Carol and her um, mentorship and coaching, I had no idea if he would even be good at it. I, was, I only had him for about a year, um, which I wasn't sure if he would be good with kids. I didn't know a lot about his history prior with kids, and so Carol really coached me on that. So I went through it as a tester, going through the process, and then – uh, late last year, I became certified because I want to help more people. We do that as volunteers. So, Alliance okay. of Therapy Dogs is volunteer based. So, I am a local tester observer and we test people throughout the year who contact us, whether they want to volunteer at Elmbrook or on their own. Okay. And you have nothing mm-hmm. but good things to say Absolutely. about that experience, I love it. right? It's, it's a wonderful yeah. organization.
1: Yeah. Well, research shows that there are numerous therapeutic benefits of therapy dogs obviously, as we've been talking about. So we're going to take a commercial break, but when we return, we're going to learn more about what research supports in this area.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Sheila Postotnik from the Elmbrook Humane Society and Carol Sombri with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. So we said that research shows numerous therapeutic benefits of therapy dogs. So tell us what that research is, who, who benefits and how.
4: I would have to say everybody benefits, including the person doing the work. So again, and it's the fun dogs, work. You can right? Do with your dog. oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dogs love it. But um, there has been many studies that show. I know you've discussed reading in the classroom. Um, suddenly, the student is elevated because now this student who may even struggle with reading knows more than the dog. So they they are elevated to a a leadership role with the dog, and um, also they don't have to worry about their peers making fun of them. So it's a great confidence builder. Um, studies show it improves reading. It also makes reading fun. And I know if you don't reach children for reading it by a certain age, you know, often they won't enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. And some of these children, we probably don't even really know what the research probably is just scratching the surface about how they go on to, to love reading. And again, confidence um, improves their reading skills, makes reading fun. As far as seniors, boy, I could go on and on. Um, but I think it even helps the family. So quite often, I'll go into a facility with my therapy dog, and I have a min pin right now that does therapy work, and it's amazing. A mini pincher for those of you that may not know, <laughs> cutest <laughs> mini pin in the country. <laughs> so um, his name is Lyndon Kugel, and I did not name him, but he is a rescue from a puppy mill, and he is a you know a dog who's very fearful, and he's actually now a therapy dog, so light of my life. You call him Liney? Yes, I call yes, him Liney. Yeah. Or yes. Kugel, I guess. But. Yes, we call, we call him Liney. <laughs> um We call Liney, whatever he wants to be called. He's a little spoiled. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times it's a buffer for the family because the family's there and they're stressed. And so I find that, you know, they reap as, as much of the benefits. Plus the staff. And, I mean, it's benefits you don't even think about. When you have a staff who has is benefiting from that therapy dog visit, they're going to be able to give more to that patient. So mm. I think it just goes, you know, it goes – it touches everybody who's in in that um, facility that you might visit. And I actually helped a facility in Racine years ago that was bringing in a therapy dog. And there was a woman there, and they used to talk about how cranky she was, and she literally would not speak. No yes, no no, nothing, until the dog showed up. And Mm. um, there was a black greyhound that I had brought out there, and she would talk from the minute we got there to the minute we left. Isn't that and wonderful? When, you know, and it's mm-hmm. been proven even having fish and even having, um, you know, small animals. So I think we've really just scratched the surface. And it was interesting. Just last month, in December, a study came out that children who own a pet in the first I think it's 10 or 12 years of their life, have been showing to have a 24% reduction in mental health issues as adults. Really? And this just came out in like the last month. Wow. And um, the study, I believe, was done at John Hopkins. And very interesting study. So I really think, although there's many studies out there and they're all showing great positive results in schools and in senior homes, I think we've really just scratched the surface mm. on that. Wow. Yeah. Well... You'd shared that therapy dogs help students cope with tragedy, and
1: we talked about that. Jenny had some examples uh, in the prior segments. What's been your experience, Carol, with that specifically?
4: As far as when there's tragedy, did you yeah, say? students or coping trauma. with tragedy and trauma. Well, you know, not so much tragedy and trauma, but we've actually had therapy dogs at testing centers where, where students are testing for finals at the colleges. And that's ah. been a huge hit to alleviate stress during finals. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah. and a lot of people aren't aware that, like, with the Sandy Hook elementary school situation, I mean, there was dogs immediately deployed to that situation. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. Yeah. Same thing with um, many of the tragedies. That is one of the first things um, I know. Vir- Virginia Tech, uh, they had um, a group of therapy dogs immediately come out for
2: um, staff and um, students. Right. To, to jump on that bandwagon in, in Wisconsin. But there is Milly. She adopted her dog about four years ago, and she's like, I've been wanting to do this forever. I just didn't know where to begin. Um, we did some info sessions last year. Um, one of our volunteers, her name's Millie, and she came um, to the session, and she was just, like, taking notes furiously, raising her hand. Just I could just tell, like, this is going to be a future volunteer. And she has a beautiful Havanese um, mm. named Mojo. And she literally, like, this brings tears in my eyes when I tell the story. She said, I am so excited because this is the best dog I've ever had. He is the love of my life, and I want to share him. I don't want to be selfish. I want to share him with the world. And she is, like, one of those people that, you know, gets involved with everything. He's a wonderful dog, and she's been a huge asset. But it was great for her because she just didn't know, how do I go about doing that? So we are very supportive, whether people do want to volunteer with Humane Education or get involved in the community in other ways. Okay.
4: Yes, and and I've been involved with Elmbrook for many years. I was a volunteer before I worked there. I've also been employed there. I mean, that's my, you know, my work um, before I was even involved with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. And people are always contacting the shelter for us to bring out an, a dog or a cat. And all we love that the people are looking for us is the resource. I mean, we've been located. Um, In the area now for over 55 years and we love to work with our community however sometimes the dogs that we get into the facility we don't know a lot about them or maybe they just came in or maybe we've even had them for a little while but guess what they just got neutered or spayed yesterday so they're a little down and out Mm -hmm. um so a lot of times bringing a dog that we don't have a lot of history on or that's already in a stressful environment and all of a sudden, now we've got to take them where there's 20 or 30 children. Is not something we want to do? you know. With There could be risks. So, you know, we just think it's a really responsible way for us to meet the needs of our community and be out there and be in the community teaching children about bite prevention. Um, Sheila's a human educator I and mean, does a fabulous bite prevention program does other things on empathy and again if you don't reach children by a certain age with empathy I mean there's a correlation about what happens in adulthood so empathy and bite prevention is very important at a young age and instead of using the shelter dogs, we're able to use these teams and these dogs that we know and these dogs that aren't coming out of a stressful environment. And we don't have to worry about, wow, do we know history? He seems great with everybody. And they might be great therapy dogs. They might be great family dogs. But it doesn't necessarily mean they've ever been around a wheelchair or been around 30 or 40 or 50 children. Um, We do a program in Brookfield called Safety Town, which is like a two-week long program that they do. And I just you know, I know there's been sometimes 50 or 60 children. I know my little therapy dog mm-hmm. after about a half hour is overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like bringing a shelter dog that we don't know a lot about can be really stressful. So it has just been a great way for us to be out there in the community talking about bite prevention mm-hmm. with dogs and people that they know and not stressing the dog. I mean, we do have to think about the dog in all this. Right, it's not right, all about right. what we want. <laughs> yeah. Um there's a lot of pressure right now about you know emotional support animals, and we do put a lot of pressure on our dogs. We have a lot of expectations for our dogs, and I think you have that, a lot of treats with you, right? Right. <laughs> and I do think that you know I think knowing your dog and knowing when they've had enough, or you might know your dog. Uh, my dog loves children, for example, and you know we might not know that maybe a shelter dog's a little bit afraid of people with hats or things like that. So it's just great to be able to. Bring dogs, support our community, teach about by prevention, and all work together. So if there's somebody out there that wants more information, it doesn't matter if
1: they reach out to the Elmbrook Humane Society or Mm -hmm. the Alliance Therapy of Dogs. You guys Mm -hmm. work so closely together that you'll get it. Okay, so attention to all you animal lovers out there, dogs
2: specifically. Listen closely, and Carol and Sheila are going to tell us how we can help. Great. Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, the shelter hosts um, something called a Therapy Dog Info Session. Last year we held about four. We're hoping to do maybe about six this year. And what that entails is it's for people only. They can come hear um, what we do and what the makings of a therapy dog might be and answer any questions that they have. So we offer that for the community. And then... um, We offer opportunities either for training, they can do some private training, or we do offer some workshops, or we help them get started with a positive trainer. In terms of the training piece, Carol mentioned the personality piece that dogs have, and then there's a piece of training that may or may not be um, needed. So we'll help with that.
4: And it's not required to do any training. Maybe you've got a dog at home or you already have a team and you'd like to hook up with us. We'd love to have you. Um, And again, if you've got all the pieces in place, You know, none of that training is required, but if you want more information, you can come to our therapy session. Otherwise, I would recommend going to the website for the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. It's really easy, walks you through all the steps, step by step, and please don't be overwhelmed by it. You can reach out if you have questions. We're here to help you. I talk to people through it all the time and work with them to get started. So this is not required for them to go through a class, but if you're feeling a little nervous and you want to, we're here to help. If you want to just dive in, I would say (laughs) go to their website and reach out if you have questions. Okay,
1: super. Well, I want to thank all my guests today, Sheila Postotnik from uh, the Elmbrook Humane Society, Jenny Shane Naman, who is our third grade teacher from Elmbrook School District, and Carol Sombri from the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. Thank you for sharing your passion for dogs and how they can be so helpful in providing therapeutic services to our community. So thank you for being here today.
2: Thanks to EAG for having us. It's been great.
1: You
4: are welcome. Yes, thank you very much. This is our hard work, so we're happy to share. And we can tell. We can
2: tell. want to do wonderful. this, don't delay. Get yes. involved. It's, it's <laughs> exhilarating, and it's really just the best
1: work you can do with your dog. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at allenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people and nonprofits doing great things in our community. You can either tune in on the AM 1130 dial or go to News Talk 1130 on your computer or on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or now you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So hopefully we've sparked an interest today with other animal lovers who have a heart to help others. Use your passion and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.